0: You are listening to 100 Wealth Building Secrets with James Marshall. James Marshall is a registered investment advisor and president of Marshall Wealth Management. His registered investment advisory firm is registered in Texas and Kentucky. For 30 years, he has been educating, advising, and managing wealth for diverse families all over the country. This podcast is about different concepts of wealth building, some financial, some emotional, physical, and yes, some spiritual. The bottom line is you will leave with some knowledge, and knowledge is wealth. So whether you're walking, running, exercising, or having your choice of beverages, no judgments here, clear. Then open your mind and get ready for some life-changing financial lessons. It's your time. Here's your host, James Marshall.
1: All right, this is a
2: bonus podcast. Uh, This was a taping of a show with Toya Mitchell, on her YouTube channel. And this particular episode was entitled Generational Wealth with James Marshall. There was a lot of other, uh, there was three other guests on the show and I think that you'll uh, learn a lot from listening. So without further ado, we want to first thank Toya Mitchell for an- Inviting us on her show and allowing us to share knowledge about generational wealth. And I hope that you continue to subscribe to her YouTube channel and continue to listen to our podcast, 100 Wealth Building Secrets, which you can find at Apple, Spotify and Podbean. All right. Enjoy the show. Generational Wealth with James Marshall on the Toya Mitchell YouTube channel. Thanks
3: hello everyone I'd like to say thank you everyone for joining Thank you mr. Marshall very nice to meet you if we want to all go around and give a little introduction about each other
1: So I guess we'll go alphabetically I'll be short uh, my name is Daniel Brinson I'm a, a middle school counselor or elementary school counselor I've been in education about 25 years now so uh, that's my background but I also uh, fancy myself as a an investor and a serial entrepreneur here and there so I've had uh, bars, I've had uh, houses, not, no commercial property, but I've uh, kind of dabbled in different things during my spare time.
3: Okay. Thank
4: you, Daniel. Mr. Brinson. do you
2: want
4: to go? Oh, sure. Uh, my name is Crystal Shockley. I'm the owner of She Organizes. It's a home and office organizing company where we believe in packing lights and living simple. Let's see. I'm in Houston now. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I've been in Houston for... Eight years. I came here to get my mom into MD Henderson Hospital. Since then, the Lord has called her to be home, but prior to that, we had decided that Houston would be our new home. So um, I'm making things work here as an entrepreneur and I'm loving it. And I also, um, virtual personal assistant for Mr. Marshall, who's also on the (laughs) Zoom meeting. Um, I've been with him for, what, since 2013? Oh, wow. In a long time. Mr. Marshall yeah okay. and I love working for home. I'm gonna yeah, I love working
2: to put you on taxes independent has been so long
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow okay
2: all right so I'm James Marshall I'm owner of Marshall Loaf Management which is a registered investment investment that specializes in comprehensive financial planning been doing this for 31 years hmm. uh, of all of our clients African Americans 80 percent 85 percent are women uh, but 80% of our high-net-worth clients are me. Uh, any investment that exists, we can get it for you, but our main thrust is education. We believe in educating the community about building multi-generational, multi
4: Mr. Marshall, for those who don't know, what is generational wealth?
2: Well, generational wealth is when you have enough money and assets, enough, enough assets, whether that be cash, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, real estate, enough assets that the next generation and the next generation can live off of the interest of the principal, wow. without going into the principal. So think of it as you have, let's use a number, uh, $100 million. Well, you know, the family is never going to touch that 100000000 million. They're going to be living off of the income that's generated from the $100 million. That's generational it's way different from being rich. Just being rich There's being wealthy and then you having have generational wealth.
4: And what you say off of that, the generational wealth is better? Can you say it's better than being rich or being wealthy? Oh, or,
2: uh, And it's the one thing that that we uh, have been lacking. Not really had an opportunity to build it. You know, think okay. in terms of um, a mile relay race. I used to run track in college. I ran the 400 intermediate hurdles and the mile relay. But well, on the Mount Relay, everyone runs around the track one time and they hand it the baton off to the next person. Well, in our community, we have to turn around and run back the other way, then hand it the baton off to the next person. So we've never really had an opportunity to build up enough wealth to transfer it on. Now, that can be solved. You know, it's not all just about systemic racism. And that's a big part of it. It's also about just not preparing to take care of the next generation and generation. And it's all about not being so selfish and keeping all the money for yourself and spending it without giving thought to
1: what will happen when you go on the
4: Thank you so much, Mr. Thank Marshall, you. for explaining that very thoroughly.
1: Okay. So, I also looked at generational wealth as, you know, assets and money. But Mr. Marshall, this is for you. I also looked at uh, education and knowledge. Is that something you can also lump in as, as generational wealth? Well, knowledge is
2: wealth, without a doubt. Health Mm -hmm. is wealth, spirituality is wealth. Uh, But without the knowledge, if if, if, Dan, if you accumulated $25 million and you left it to your kids and they were not educated on what to do with Mm -hmm. it, then it would be gone before Mm -hmm. before they they give it to the next generation. So education is a critical part. And that's why really wealthy people have what's called family offices. Because, you know, they say that uh, intelligence skips a generation. So you might have some kids that are pretty stupid. (laughs) 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 They just might blow all that money. So the Rockefellers and the Johnsons and all the big families, they have family offices. And a family office has all the professionals and consultants and people in place that can run that business enterprise for the benefit of that child they never have to worry about a thing. But that starts at about 250 million, uh, so. But education is, is, is critical. Without it, you're just gonna run into a wall. Yes, it's, it's not a family bank as though you see a bank. Okay. So we been pushing that a lot with our Hive system. We have a system called the HIDE, Hive H-I-V-E. Okay. And it's set up to promote multi generational, multi family banks or multi family wealth. Now, when you do a private family bank, basically what you're doing is you're getting you and your sister, and brother, and your cousin, auntie, and uncle, and you're opening up a brokerage account, get a brokerage firm. And then you're, you're, mm. you're going to have a trust fund or a LLC own that account. So it's going to have a tax ID number of its own. It's not going to be any one person's name, but there may be one or two. Well. People who can sign against that uh, on that uh, application of that account, and then you just put money in and you use that money to finance cars, uh, put down money for mm. payment, anything that a person might go to a bank for, you can do it at your family. Bank. It's a family cooperative for economic. Okay,
3: okay, thank you, thank you. And that's family
2: because this week's podcast on my 100 Wealth business equals podcast is. Economic empowerment through family cooperatives. So it talks about the ideal of combining your your assets into one organization for more power. She yes. was taken advantage of. She was scammed. She'll never get her money back. I, it's unfortunate, but oftentimes we are taken advantage of because okay. one of the problems in our community is we're often looking for a get rich quick thing something's mm-hmm. going to allow mm-hmm. us to double and triple our money listen if it sounds too good to be true it's probably too good to be true right. Common, this is the big mm-hmm. rule. and you know you often sold these type of investments you don't call a broker and say hey how about some of those uh, Iraqi dinner no someone calls you or you go to a, yeah. a workshop and they put a hard sell on you or someone that you know invested they don't want to be the only one taking advantage of so they pull <laughs> you in and that's how it happens but she can always report that person who sold it to her to the state uh, securities board no and that is an excellent question you have to think in terms of multi-generational and multi-family mm. imagine if you go to your family reunion if you have one and you got seven different families there the smith johnsons millers wilson's and and if everyone put in $100 into this cooperative trust that we talked about earlier and put into this bank. Now you can use that money to invest in real estate, invest in apartment buildings, buy life insurance on the older people in the family, mm-hmm. have a cooperative for the health insurance uh, co-pays, a cooperative for your uh, life, for your uh, uh, homeowners insurance co-pay. You can do so much when you have that cooperative account. So no, it's the multi Now you don't want to bring in people who are, are not like like-minded people. Okay. You're going to have someone in the family who just doesn't want to get on board, right? They, they don't want to cooperate. They don't want to follow up the rules. Then you know, you need to go and kick them to the curb. Okay. One monkey don't stop no show. See, so that's right. what happens. We try to get everyone on board and then they're not on board. But then what happens is five years down the road, when your cooperative trust or family bank is doing well, and they're into a problem, then they want to get in. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure you have something in place to deal with that very thing because it's, it's a reality. But no, multi families. It doesn't have to be family. It could be friends. It could right. be everyone in the same church. It can be, because if you have a cell, which is one family, then you have a unit, which is multiple families. Then you have the hive itself, which is a community. Mm-hmm. So let's say that the that cell puts money into the hive, which is the urban league. And then the Urban League can take their money and recycle it back into the community through grants or other uh, disbursements of cash, because this is the nonprofit arm of your whole cooperative trust uh, approach.
1: I, I, you know, I can only speak for myself. So I was late into investing uh, only because my parents were from that generation of just save, save, save. You know, their parents came up through the Great Depression. Uh, so, you know, we're literally, you know, putting money in the bank and just holding it, you know, nothing, not making great interest. So I didn't learn about investing and, and saving and, and, and generational wealth, probably until I got to college, you know, to, at Alabama State. You know, shout out to Dr. Dorothy Archie taught me about <laughs> the Oklahoma race riots and, and, and Black Wall Street. But before that, I'm talking about 18, 19 years old, I didn't know anything about that. How do you instill these um, or how do you how do you get the information out to the masses, to, to African-Americans, um, you know, because there's definitely a disconnect between the generations right now. Um, so well, what's the best way to bridge there.
2: that gap? And I also a shout out to Alabama State. Alabama State, I did a workshop there, well, a, a talk there years ago. Years ago, the uh, Chamber of Commerce brought me in to speak. Anyway, listen, <laughs> I used to say, oh, it's terrible, you know, we're just not getting the information. But the information is there. We are not embracing it. We are we treat wealth like we treat math sometimes something you just don't want to touch i'm not going to be good at it i don't want to deal with it you got to embrace it on your level there's so many books podcasts websites so many ways that you can get the information i do workshops all the time and i know there are other advisors around the country to do them as well so if you want the information you can get the information this is true now the older you are the less likely you are to embrace this new concept of accumulating wealth through investments, especially with the the, uh, uh, wall street. Because older people have a a fear of losing their money and that's fine because as Mm -hmm. you get older, you don't need to be investing so much as you need to be protecting your assets. So that's good. Just know where you are in the cycle. But uh, there's a lot of books that you can read, a lot of podcasts that you can listen to. If you open up an account with just Fidelity, with their Mm -hmm. uh, discount brokerage account, they have a, a great website teaching you things. MarshallYourMoney.com, which is my website, has a, a whole series of videos, and podcasts, and, and all types of uh, mm. uh, letters and, and workshops that you can plug in and listen to at your own uh, leisure. So it's, it's out there. You just have to look for it and take part in it. And then not only that, take action with the information that you get.
3: That's interesting that you would say that because I hear people. Discuss these concepts, and I always tend to block them out for the reason that you just said. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can never do it. I, you know, I'll never be able to do, and I just have a mental block up as far as it's concerned.
2: But the, the cool thing, to you is that black women are better investors than men.
3: Okay. Man, Dad's
2: gonna want me to give him a hot stock that he can put money in today and make and double it by next week. Okay. He wants to get that hot red Corvette stock. You want to get from point A to point B without a whole lot of hassle, and you just want to see your money grow. Right. And women tend to be a little bit more disciplined and systematic towards their approach than men. You would think that I don't want to sound sexist. You would think we're going to be more emotional, but that's not the case. Okay. Uh, so, so you know, the key thing is invest in what you know. Okay. Invest in what you know. If you like to shop at Target, buy stock in Target. Okay. Like Nike choose bad stock in Nike. Know how the company makes his money and then invest in that. And always buy low and sell high. Yes, Hi.
3: Don't
2: jump on the hype. You know, okay. when you're when you're Uber driver and your hairstylist and your plumber was talking about these hot stocks they're buying, or they're in Forex, or that's a hot thing now, then you know that we're at a bubble. It's getting ready to bust. That's when everybody just on board, just think they're gonna make money. This Forex thing is just getting out of control. But anyway, you know, it don't don't let it intimidate. Is what I wanna say. Y'all get me excited now. you gotta stop me. I'm <laughs> <five room laughs> fast. Thank you.
4: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So, how can one acquire the knowledge of creating and maintaining generational wealth?
2: Well, you mean what might they read? So I think that's one of uh-huh. the questions. The books ain't not a that question yet.
4: It's like the generation I'm a part of or we're a part of, we're kind of, some of us, the majority of us, it seems like we're lost financially. <laughs> um, and so I had this discussion because it's going to save money and think about the future. Whereas before, I didn't plan for the future because I was really thinking like I may not even be here. So I was just living for right now. Whereas at the time, my, my ex-husband, he was looking toward the
2: Okay. But I'm going to guess at what <laughs> you're asking me and go ahead and answer while why you move around. Okay. Uh, you know, everyone comes to Jesus at a different time in their life, right? Mm-hmm. So if you gain knowledge or understanding of the, com- the magic of compounded interest at an early age, then you're going to have more wealth because you're starting your snowball higher at the top of the hill. So if you come into it later in life, you just won't have as much time to allow compound interest to work for you, but it will still work better than them. That's the key thing. Okay. Uh, Okay. Know about your benefit package at your job, your 401k. Most people build a good portion of their wealth through their 401k
4: Hmm.
2: or or their home. It's gonna be your home or your 401k. Those are gonna be two ways you're gonna really build wealth. And then once you leave that company, Almost always take your 401k with you, roll it into an IRA so you can maintain control. Don't take the money without rolling, because then you'll be taxed. But do a tax transfer Mm. into an IRA, then you can continue to manage the money. If you leave it at the company in that 401k, you'll have to stay with whatever company they bring on to manage it, which may change from time to time. So, uh, take advantage of every source of uh, education that you have, 401k, 403b, if you're a teacher or a non-profit, or, a, or uh, a 457 plan, you know, yeah, 457 plan if you're for municipality, and then just take advantage, take action, and do it. That's the key thing. If you are just starting to invest at age 60, then yes. you probably don't want to be too aggressive, you know, mm-hmm. unless you plan on working for at least another 10 years. Which brings me to this: If you cannot invest and let your money work for you for at least three to five years, you should not be investing in stock market. Let me mm. say that again, because that's critical. If you cannot keep your money invested for at least three to five years, you should not be in a stock market. You should be in a savings account. When you have a shorter time frame, you have a greater chance of losing money. Mm. Mm. at one percent, at one year, you might have a 50 percent chance of losing your money. Three years, it drops down to 20%. Over five years, 10%. Over 15 years, it drops like 2% chance of losing your money. So the more you let your money, the longer it works, the greater the wealth you get and the less risk you're taking on. That brings us to another point on this, is know what your risk tolerance is. Now, Dan's probably aggressive. So if he's aggressive, he's gonna be looking at stocks with a PE ratio of 20, 25, and 30, Stocks that might really be undervalued now, but he feels like they're maybe about later. Or he might be looking for more IPOs if he can get his hands on it. Well, Natalia may be more conservative. She doesn't want to see the value of her account go down. So she might be looking at a more moderate portfolio that's more evenly diversified. Some bonds, some blue chip stocks, and a little bit of small caps in there. So you need to know where you are and how you should allocate your money so that you can maintain what we call negative correlation I'm gonna get a little in the weeds if I can okay. so you've got 20% of your money into international and you got 30% of your money into uh, large-cap value Johnson & Johnson mm-hmm. 10% in technology and technology really takes a tank it goes down the market is just crazy in technology well another part of your portfolio may be going up that blue chip and it's going to mm-hmm. offset the gains, negative correlation on that small cap. So that's why diversification works so well. Because you don't know mm-hmm. when a index is going to go up or down. You okay. just want to have something in that is going to counter
1: that. And that's a perfect okay. example of what happened back in March. You know, I, I watched my Roth IRA, you know, I watched it like a hawk. You know, I just watched the value go up and down. And we took a big hit in March when things it dropped, you know, so. It's funny you should mention that. It was nice. It was nice that I was aggressive when I was probably from 25 to about maybe 35. And then I started tailoring things back. I got into more municipalities and things that would give me my money steady growth. Right. Uh, and it's, it's just so funny you mentioned that, Mr. Marshall. You, when I closer I get to retiring now, I'm under less than 10 years left. Now I'm starting to scale things back a little bit. And you know I want to protect my money, protect my assets. 10 years, when
2: well, you going to retire when
1: you're 45 or something? <laughs> no, I'm forty five. I I I'm retired from uh fifty seven. Uh, he's years. a young he's a young guy, man. I like yeah. that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But as, but now now let's talk about that for a second, Dan, because if you retire at okay. fifty six, mm-hmm. and the strategy of moving towards bonds five years after retirement may not be good for you because you'll still be so young. Okay. You know 56 is very young you still got another 30 years to live so Mm -hmm. if your money is not consistently beating inflation your dollar is going to be weaker when you take it out of spending so you have to make sure that you've got a that you maintain a good asset allocation or have 50 percent of your portfolio into a safe and secure investment such as a index annuity
1: okay 40 percent
2: would be in growth and then 10 percent would be in speculative that would be things that you don't mind losing, but if they hit, they'll hit big. They hit big. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm doing this for 31 years. I've seen a lot. A lot. And I started out with Merrill Lynch back in 1988. And they told me I was spending much time in the black community, and they fired me. I went the New York Life in Washington D.C. They told me I was spending a time in the black community. So, well, actually, they fired me. I love to be seen a broken heart. Broken uh, when I came back to Mobile, I was with the American Express. And once again, educating the community. See, when you go into our community and you start of educating people, it takes time. And you're not going to just mm-hmm. see people come in with millions of dollars to invest. You might get 20 here and 30 there. And people need to trust you. I know, trust. So you know, they were telling me you spent too so much time in the black community. So what I realized was no one really had an interest in educating our community on building real, long-lasting generational wealth. They wanted to come in and get your 401k rollover or your insurance policies or whatever, invest it, and just leave it alone. So I decided that that was not going to be. And we set up our firm around educating the entire community. Mm-hmm. about wealth not for yourself also for your family so understanding life and, truth and, mm-hmm. and how it works so i learned about it just from various companies going to workshop all around the world to include the me not around which is where i really found out a lot about that generation yeah, is that me with the yeah uh,
3: the- it is
2: i don't know how it's doing it it's weird okay um the main on roundtable is the top 3% of agents and advisors around the world. And when you go there, you meet a lot of really sharp people. And what I found was a lot of the agents were Asian and African. And wow. the Asians and Africans and Jewish, most of their clients were in their own community and they were buying huge amounts of leafage. Cause that is the secret to generational wealth. It's life insurance. I'm telling you, it's not the it's not the, it's not Wall Street, the stock market. It's life insurance. That money goes tax free to the next generation,
3: tax free. Hmm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Make you go hmm. Right. <laughs> and it's not sexy. It's not something that people want to talk about. Oh, I got a two million dollar life insurance policy. But I'm telling you something. If you have a parent who's 60, 65, 70, 75, and you can put insurance on that life, and the premium is $500 a month for $200,000, you should still do it because you're going to get that $200,000 tax-free. If you set up a revocable life insurance trust to own that policy, now that going to go through your state it go straight to their trust. And then you're talking about perpetual, multi-generational wealth. So is that is that helpful in terms of uh, how I look about it? It was just Mm -hmm. just you now talking to a lot of other professionals, seeing how we were uh, way behind everyone else. Did you know the average net worth of a black woman your age, Toya? What would you think net worth is of a black woman your age? I imagine you're probably only 22, but You know, since you've done these amazing things and had those different jobs, you might be a little bit older. (laughs) A black woman (laughs) aged thirty to forty-five, what do you think their net worth is on average?
3: Oh my goodness. I don't even know. Five dollars. What?
2: Yeah.
4: What do you say? Five dollars. Five dollars. Oh my goodness.
2: Yes. And and we routinely fall behind in terms of our household. A black family has a household wealth of about $15,000. Hispanics about $17,000. A white family about $30,000. And it's been that way for a long time. And, and whereas you see that we're, we're, we have more wealthy people, but from a percentage point of view, it, that's not the case. You've heard of the 80-20 rule, where 20% of the people do 80% of the work well in terms of wealth it's more of an 80 a 90 10. you know 10 percent of the people in our community have all the wealth in our community and nationwide less than five percent of the people control 95 percent of the wealth in the country
3: mr marshall you you literally made me want to cry
2: yeah mm-hmm. it, it should make you want to cry but as long as you have a net worth that's more than five dollars don't cry too
3: hard <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs>
2: But yeah, you know, we just, we, we, here's my philosophy on why this happens. We suffer from what I call the mold better black syndrome. Mold better black syndrome. Mm-hmm. As long as we're doing better than our little circle, then we're cool. And how do we prove that? By what we drive, the bling bling on our hands, the vacations we take, the house we live in, mostly what we drive and the vacations we take. And how much we, who picks up the tab when you go out for your drinks at Happy Hour? Madison Avenue and Hollywood have single handedly molded our mind into being consumers instead of producers or investors. So that's how we got here. But we know that's the case. So now we need to change it. And the good news is young people are seeing things a little bit differently.
4: I concur with that. I wanted to kind of ask a question because I know, Mr. Marshall, you have uh, what, four or five sisters?
2: I have four sisters.
4: You're the baby, right? Yeah, I'm the baby. <laughs> so have you encouraged any of them to follow your footsteps?
2: You know, I have tried. Right? I have tried. Two of them, two out of the four have, and they've done well. Good. This is those other two, boy. They've been the rough ones. <laughs> I continue to try. I continue to push. And I talk about the, the hive and the multifamily uh, wealth and the family bank, and I have not successfully set up one in my family yet so that, that tells you it's not easy but you just got to keep pushing and then one day they'll come around
3: what do you think that is do you think it's like a lack of trust
2: well i have a book out that's called the food and his money the financial education of anthony fruit and one that lands in the book anthony says to to me is his advisor he calls me m he says, man, em, I'm from the Wilson family. We don't trust each other with our liquor, let alone our money. We don't trust <laughs> each other. <laughs> we, 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 we trust family members less than we trust friends in some cases. Right. But that's something we gotta get beyond baby steps. You know, how do you eat right. an elephant one bite at a time? But that's what it is exactly, it's, what it's trust. Cause they've they known you in your life. They remember you used to stick, you know, Pencils in your nose, or I do crazy stuff, so they won't trust you with a hundred thousand know? so dollars. It's it's interesting. Something need to get beyond.
3: Because I actually uh, floated the idea to my family, and my youngest daughter is like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you don't trust me.
2: Yeah. And then it's also envy. You know, if if your other family members think you're doing better than them, they might not want to get on board with this idea because they feel like it's gonna benefit you, not yeah. Them. And, and that's
1: that's sad to hear, you know. Jeez. Yeah.
2: But but have you seen that to be the case of any of you talk with your family members and find that sometimes they resent the fact that you're sitting out on your patio smoking a cigar, you you got your own uh, YouTube page or you got your own business organizing it they think you're just bowling <laughs> out of
1: control right Yes. yes well I guess I, I've been blessed because you know my my first generation cousins you know the my first my first set cousins they're all you know really doing well for themselves most of them are teachers I think eight of eight out of 13 of us are teachers or wow. education the other ones are in business um, for themselves entrepreneurs restaurants, wow. Stuff like that, so I, you know, once again, I can speak from I learned everything from them, you know, just like, well, how do you do this? How do you do that? That's why I got a Roth IRA. That's why I got an annuity. That's why I learned about a four three B. You know, so a lot of that stuff I learned from them just by watching. And it's funny that you said about your circle. Like I try to increase my circle where I want to, you know, I don't want to be the smartest man in the room. I want to start learning. So um am glad we got, got a chance to sit down with this millionaire from Atlanta. And I just sat there and I just soaked it up, listened to everything he said, you know, and he knew a lot about my finances and what I was doing with houses. And he said, yeah, you sold too early, you sold too late, Dan, and blah, blah, you know, so I I, I I talked to him for about five hours, literally, but he was here in Cleveland because it was did so much information. Did you
2: find when you spoke with him, Dan, did you find that most of the things he said was common sense?
1: It it you know what we the biggest thing we talked about, you already mentioned it, but we called it delayed gratification. You're making investments today for 15, 20 years, you know, later. And you have to keep that mindset. What I'm doing today is not gonna maybe benefit me directly, but 15 to 20 years from now, you know, and I was like that it clicked, you know. So you guys are all (laughs) all you financial guys are saying the same thing, but I don't understand why most people aren't getting it. Um, And, you know, this is that microwave generation, you know, including my generation. We want everything right then and right there. And if you could see it, I see him. He's a millionaire. He's doing something right. You know, I should want to be like him instead of being so um, competitive. You know, I know Toya mentioned another
2: another book that's out there. I don't know if you read it yet. It's called The Millionaire Next
1: Door. I just you were you were off. My my stepson, I just bought that for him probably about three weeks ago for a graduation gift. He's already read it, been through it. He read my yeah, Robert. But you know C. people who are millionaires,
2: you don't think are millionaires, It's just regular folk. Yeah. Most of my big big clients and they walk in the room, you think, Oh, you're to clean up the place. But they're worth ten, twenty, thirty million dollars. Uh-huh. You know, people who have real wealth, they don't feel the need to wear their wealth on the right. street. They're putting right. their money into things that's going to appreciate. Real estate stocks businesses gold uh, commodities you know and and it, its just, and it does take time to build it up that 's the key i
1: I think the last question we had kind of went back to uh black Wall Street. Uh, um, just getting back to that in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you know we had a society where the dollar kind of rotated three, four, 36, hundred times before it left our community. We're kind of away from that now, uh, Mr. Mr. Marshall. What's the best way or one of the ways we can get back to that, where we have the the, the black dollar, you know, kind of rotate in our society or in our community before it leaves?
2: Yeah, I don't think we'll ever get back to the way it was then because then it was a necessity. You know, uh, affirmative action has been good to a lot of us, especially middle-aged people and people who are over the age of uh, 55. But one of the things it did that hurt our community was it took away the so-called talented tent. They left the communities and moved out to the suburbs. When they moved to the suburbs, the dollars went with them. So, you know, uh, the only time we tend to come back to the hood is through church from 11 to, to, to 2, you know, you're back there in the hood. But you ain't spending a whole lot at the church doing you and your kind, you gone. Right. So we're not, it's, it's not necessity, we're not forced to have a black doctor, forced to have a black financial advisor, forced to go to a black bank then. We can go where we want to go. Now, I will say that I'm hopeful now, that this movement that you're seeing, uh Bad Black Movement, mm-hmm. it gives me a lot of hope that we are going to start directing yeah. our dollars, and mostly because it used to be that the only black businesses that we would set up and sustain were the hair salons and barbershops and the t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were not doing a lot of non-traditional businesses, but now we are. You'll be hard pressed to find a business that's that there's not an African American that's involved in some capacity. We're in technology now, we're in uh, science, we're in finance, we're in manufacturing, and we still don't make anything, but we are along the chain of manufacturing. So uh, we're we're more diverse in our portfolio of businesses that we own. So now up. the onus is on us as African Americans in our community to seek out the business that does that thing that we need you know, drive an extra mile or two. Spend a little bit more money because they're not gonna be as large as the other companies. So they can't cut their costs as much. So you're gonna have to pay a little bit more. I I think that we can get that.
3: I actually um, found, well I didn't find, my daughter researched and found a black physician. So I drive 30 minutes out of my way just to make sure that I honor a black business. There was also very few black owned here care uh stores and in this products. area right mm-hmm. so i would drive 30 minutes out of my way <laughs> to uh, a jamaican lady owned the store and then she went out of
4: business mm-hmm.
3: and that was really sad to me i don't know why she went out of business i don't know if she didn't have enough client i mean customers or what exactly happened but i went out there one day and she was no longer there and the people who are the closest to me are really nasty i don't like to spend my money there they um they tend to follow you around as if you're going to steal. Um, it's just not a very pleasant shopping experience. So I will go the extra mile just to support businesses. And like you said, I will drive further. Um, and, and yeah, it is up to us to seek out those places.
2: That's what it take. And also remember, hey, some people are just not good business people. Yeah. You know. Not everybody's going to survive. Yeah. Starting a business is easy. Starting a business is easy. Starting a business is <laughs> easy. Keeping it going, that's a whole different yeah. Most totally. of them fail within the first three years, then another 25% in the next five years. Okay. Maintaining that thing for a long period of time, that's, mm. that's passion and, and uh, discipline.
4: Okay. Uh just telling yesterday that you wanna give up several times. I'm on mute. Okay. <laughs> no, we hear you. That you wanna give up okay. That you wanna give up several times, but don't stop. You you have to keep going. Every day you just have to remind yourself that it's so worth it, you know, this is what you do. Um what Toy was saying I firmly believe we should go that distance and to support black-owned businesses and spend that extra money because they are so far away because we do not support them like we should. They their prices are so high because we do not support them like we should. So if we continue to you know support, I think that'll bring them closer to us and then they'll, they'll they'll be able to probably drop those prices. But it, it's so worth it. The time to take to travel is so worth it. Mm-hmm. But with that being
2: said, Crystal, listen, you got to hold them accountable too. If right. if, mm-hmm. if they don't have that stuff going where it should, if yeah. their business is not up to speed, if they're not providing you with the service you think you should, get let them know. Hey, I'll find another black yeah. business that does what you do. I'm not going to just accept a shoddy product or service just mm-hmm. because you're black. Right. That's a mistake.
4: Yeah. I uh, that's what I mean a friend of mine we had a discussion about that. I said, well, I think you should give them three chances. Um, you know, give them, tell them, like you said, educate them first, tell them what's happening and then give them another chance, see if they change. And I just say, maybe give them one more chance because they need it. You know, we need it. We, we don't get all the type of, the type of support that we need and we will support an Amazon or a Verizon, even though we've had bad customer service experiences, AT&T, as long as they give you a gift, you know, I know some person, every time they they keep on hold for a long time, it's like, I'm going to get my gifts. So let's treat our, you know, black collar Mm -hmm. person the same. Let's, let's just go that extra mile for them, you know, but I understand what you're saying. You, you know, but yeah, educate them and just give them a chance. How do you all feel? And I don't want to put out any business names. I do want to, but I'm not going to. Okay. About businesses who made it really big, but then they sell out to uh, a white owned company. What are your feelings toward that? Anybody can go first or Toy, if you want to go first.
3: I can't knock anyone for doing what they feel like they need to do. But I will tell you, I used to buy Carol's daughter's um, products. I I used to purchase their products. And then when I found out that they sold to... uh, L'Oreal, Yes. I found (laughs) Allie Allie K. Naturals. Allie K. Naturals was created by a lady from Fort Myers. I also support uh, Good Hair, Good Body, which was started by one of our classmates, Keela. Uh, so these are black owned businesses that I actually will support, but I, I discontinue shopping with, um, uh, Carol's, you know, I discontinue purchasing those products because of that. And I'm, like I said, I don't want to judge anyone for what they feel like they needed to do for their family. You know, I would like to think if I were in that position and I was offered, I don't know how many millions that I would turn it down just to keep it black, but I don't know.
2: Well, I'm going to jump in here because I have a very strong opinion about this. I think that it is a state planning. I think that if you build up a business, you look at all the major businesses that we've seen in our lifetime. BET is a great example, mm-hmm. right? BET, Black Entertainment Television, Robert Johnson, grew it to be a successful business and then Viacom purchased it. Well, first they took it public. And Wall Street is not canned to black owned businesses. The analysts do not follow the companies and it's harder. So it's best to keep the company private. So he sold it to Viacom and cashed out and made billions. Took those billions and invested into other businesses. Now his ex-wife used that money to open up a spa in Virginia with horses and everything. One of the largest um, uh, businesses of his types in that area. Now he owns Hilton Hotels and other hotels, uh, and of course, sports franchise, and has another publicly traded company. So I, I think that if you cannot find a market that can purchase your business that is a that is a, a black a majority black owned market, then you need to sell it to where you can get the most out of your your business. You built it up over those years, and it can't go to the grave with you. If your children are not going to take over the business for you, you've got to cash out so you can use that money to go back to the community in a different way. So yes, I believe that it's it's an unfortunate, necessary evil to continue to build wealth and transfer that wealth from generation to generations.
3: That was an excellent response. I didn't. I never looked at it like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would go with the combination of both of you all. Um, I think it's kind of the American dream to build a business, you know, see it successful and then maybe sell it and then do something else. Kind of like what Mr. Johnson did. Um, Maybe with some stipulations, you know, that your CEOs or one certain percentage have the African-Americans minority or people of color, or that maybe one of your, you know, kids or your siblings or somebody has to sit on the board. I mean, I'm sure there's a way to do it and, and still be fair about it. But at the same time, you know, you, you kind of want to build a business to, you know, make yourself, we just talked about generational wealth. Um, you know, the Johnsons are set for, you know, hopefully life forever. Yes. And that's the way it should be. And, you know, and uh. if I and I'm not speaking for all entrepreneurs and all businessmen, but it's kind of the thrill of it too. There's like, okay, I built this. Now can I can I duplicate that over here? You know, it's kind of a rush to see that. So
2: Absolutely. You said you were a serial entrepreneur, so you can understand it. Here's, oh, a, yeah. here's an example of a business that did not sell and they should have. Johnson or Ebony, Ebony uh-huh. Magazine.
3: Yeah.
2: They tried to hold on. Susan Rice took over, tried to continue the business. It was it Susan? I know it was was Rice, but what was her first
3: name? I think it's Susan.
2: And uh, But it, it could not sustain itself. So it, it fell apart anyway, it went into bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that you have to be realistic. You don't have an exit strategy for your business then it's gonna be difficult for you to capitalize on all of your efforts. Now, if your brand is talking to the black community, whoever buys it is gonna benefit them to keep that brand black, because they're gonna give up uh, some of the profits. That's why they're buying the business, because it's profitable in that community.
4: So, I, yeah, I appreciate what everybody is saying, but I'm still in my mind like, no. But I understand, I mean, because <laughs> you. This all like, let's keep it black. And that's how I feel. But those are benefits, but it's still not going to us. You know, it's now it's going back to them. I don't know. That's- the unfortunate thing
3: is like BET's mar- uh, programming is awful now, you know, and I think it's probably purposely done, I, you know, but I understand. I understand why he felt, you know, he needed to do that. I get it. I never considered
2: that. I want to say there was one of the questions you guys did not ask me. I was prepared Uh-oh. for you. To okay. Books that you can read <laughs> to learn about building wealth. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah.
2: So I have a couple of them. I mentioned um, The Millionaire Next Door, but that's not really a generational wealth book. Okay. This one here, Generational Wealth by Lafoye Thomas Third. This is a brother. He's an attorney. And it's called Generational Wealth. A real good one. It's not... Um, he doesn't try to write over everyone's head, and that's important. And the other one, which is a bigger one, is called Family Wealth by James Hughes. Now that's more detailed, but it is some good information. there. Okay. And also James Marshall's book is called Wealth. You can get it on Kindle. Who's Wealth the author? It's James Marshall. Oh,
3: oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's called Wealth Protecting, and, and uh, it's, it's building and protecting black family prosperity. I can close that by giving you guys a couple of uh, stock tips, some stocks I want you to consider buying today. Okay. Definitely. All right. I know you like that, Dana. Yeah. You know what? Let me, let me bring up my app right now. So ready okay, for a speculative buying... A stock that you got to hold it for a while. It's cheap now, but eventually it's going to be a big one, I believe. It's called Aurora Cannabis.
4: Oh. I already got it. It's about, okay. uh, it about okay.
2: weed, but it's okay. going to be legal across the country one day. When that happens, this cannabis stock is going to really grow. It's trading around $10, $11 a oh, share wow. right
1: now. Okay. dollars right now, as of today. Yeah, You're to
2: snatch up about 100 shares minimum and hold it. If it goes down to five, so what, buy more. Okay. okay that's your back of the back now I want you to look at Verizon mm-hmm.
3: yeah.
2: they're paying a four percent dividend yield very strong company about $55 a share uh, real strong with the fiber optics 5g like they're a real good player okay and then for a really safe play you can't go wrong with the Johnson Johnson's Procter & Gamble and American Express World. American Express was downgraded today it's and buy them because they are best of class stock. Uh, This uh, coronavirus is affecting people's travel, which means they don't put as much on the card. But if you can get an American Express for less than $100, you want to have it. Okay, all right we okay. have it that's for free thank, <laughs> thank you.
4: you thank you mr marshall thank you so much i have one and mr marshall does uh, provide complimentary financial consultations for anyone that's interested so when you get this information watch the video at the you know at the end you can contact mr marshall for that and he'll also um then i'll be the one contacting you to set that up well, that's
2: why you get the big bucks man, because you know when to come in and close <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so glad that you guys invited me on the call. It's good to see young people really taking an interest in learning about building really wealth. Not only learning for yourself, but being someone that can magnify the information out to many others. It's all about circles of influence. Right. Yes. If you get your circles of influence working, then we can get the message out and make a change.
0: You have been listening to 100 Wealth Building Secrets with James Marshall. Keep increasing your knowledge by going to marshallyourmoney.com and check out our educational videos, newsletters, and calculators. There you can also sign up for your free copy of his book, 100 Wealth Building Secrets. Like this podcast and follow it on podbean.com. You can also follow us on social media platforms, Facebook, Black Family Wealth, Twitter, James Marshall at Marshall. Wealth, Instagram, Marshall Wealth, LinkedIn, James Marshall, and on YouTube, James Marshall Financial Educator. Email your questions or thoughts to james at marshallyourmoney.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, we build wealth one family at a time
2: you can i teach you how to save don't waste your money but bank your money don't spend your ends i teach you how to save your bank account will be filling out with them dividends so i teach you how to save rule number one if it ain't making money it ain't making sense